This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Stacey Grizzly. Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to episode 48 of North Atlanta's Good Neighbor Podcast. Today, we have good neighbor Hannah O'Donohue with BKS Partners. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Good. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to have you on the show. <laughs> so, well, we're going to go ahead and jump right in. And if you will, go ahead and tell our listeners about your business. Tell us about BKS Partners. Okay. So uh, BKS Partners is a insurance brokerage firm. We are based out of Tampa, but we are a publicly traded company. And we do commercial insurance, benefits, and personal lines insurance. So I work on the personal lines side. So I focus on helping the consumer with their home, their auto, collections, umbrella insurance. Um, and we focus kind of in the high net worth space. So we can help with carriers like Chubb, AIG, Pure, uh, Cincinnati, Travelers, that sort of thing. Wonderful. Well, how did you tell us about your journey? How did you get into this business? Yeah, so I've always been in like the sales and marketing industry. Um, I had boutiques in Buckhead and in Alpharetta where we sold luxury maternity clothes. And I did that for about 12 years. And then once I had my son within a year, I knew that um, the brick and mortar business owner was not necessarily ideal for me at that time in my life. So I shifted and I was the director of membership at the Marcus Jewish Community Center of Atlanta in Dunwoody for about five years. Oh. And then um, in this about a year and a half ago, I was ready to kind of uh, find another job more in the for-profit sector. And I felt like insurance was a great move because I was still kind of servicing the customer and still trying to make their life better, but it was just in a different realm. Oh, well, I love your journey, Hannah. I love that you have had multiple careers, so to speak, because I can relate to that. I have as well. <laughs> so I love that you found something that's the the right fit for you. And I didn't know that you had boutiques and that you work with at the Marcus Community Center. That's awesome here in Dunwoody. That's a, a huge, uh, everyone everyone knows where that is and, <laughs> and what that exactly. is. Bring a lot of experience to the table from different different areas. That's awesome. Well, tell um, any, are there any myths or misconceptions about your industry that you might want to clear up with our listeners today? Yeah, I had an idea of a few things that we kind of are like common questions we often hear. Oh, perfect. So lots of times when someone's buying a home, they will say, well, the home is worth 500000 so I need to insure my home for 500000 But oftentimes when you're buying a house, your market price is very different than what the actual replacement cost of the house. Because the market, you know, changes all the time. So you might buy a house for 500,000 a year ago or a few years ago, and it's now worth, you know, 750,000. But also um, when we're looking at the market cost is covering the home and the land and your zip code versus the replacement cost of your home is if your home was completely totaled, how much would it cost to rebuild that home exactly how it was? And you think in your head, oh, yeah, 500000 should be fine. But then people forget, especially post-COVID, the cost of labor has increased. The cost of goods like lumber um, has dramatically increased in price. 
So the cost to rebuild your house has really increased. Um, just to give you an example, like uh, we insure homes all the time in Dunwoody that they could have been purchased at around maybe 350000 They may be worth around 600000 now, and we could be insuring it for 700000 because it's what is the cost to actually recreate that home from the ground up exactly how it was prior? That is really good advice, actually. <laughs> Misconception and good, like just really good advice because I, I think that's probably the case with a lot of people, a lot of homeowners. You know, the, you insure it for for when you purchased it, and then you may be in the house for twenty years and never increase that value. And and right. if something does happen to your home, then you are. <laughs> you could be on the hook for a, a lot of a lot more expense than you're you're thinking. Or was was were there others? You said a yeah. So um, <laughs> another thing is people aren't. Um, there's something called umbrella coverage, which a lot of people, uh, some people have, some people don't have. But oftentimes we say, well, do you know what your umbrella is for? And they say, no, not really. You know, my advisor just told me I needed to have it. So umbrella liability is kind of the catch up or backup plan to your home and your uh, auto coverage. So, for example, if you get in a car wreck and you affect um, you're at fault and it causes property damage and injuries to like maybe 10 other cars, oftentimes your auto limits can get exhausted. So that umbrella is there as the backup plan. So maybe you have a one million dollar umbrella. Well, now you have for example, 1.5 million in liability versus just the 500,000 that's in your auto. Or the flip side, say you entertain at your home a lot. And I remember there was a news story a couple years ago that like you have, maybe you have that higher porch, like on your second level and a bunch of people fall through the porch. Well, now you're dealing with a bunch of injuries and there's a high possibility someone might sue you, you know, to cover the cost of their injuries. So that umbrella policy is there to protect your overall um, liability and give you that extra protection. And we often say this is a great place where you can speak with your financial advisor or wealth advisor to basically understand what is your net worth or your net assets. Like if you were, you know, does that all fit into a million dollars or is your net worth closer to two million or five million? When you think about all your investments outside your 401k, all your properties, all your cars, because in the end of the day, if someone sues you, they can go after all your assets. So with uh, personal lines insurance, we're trying to give you enough protection so that you never have to go out of pocket in case of a catastrophe or you get sued for you know, something that happened at your home or while driving. Yeah. So we always suggest for people to kind of match that umbrella limit with their personal net worth. That makes a lot of sense when it's explained that way. <laughs> yeah. And then I was going to mention just one other thing Absolutely. with Georgia, like, because we're not, and when I say Georgia, I'm usually thinking like North Georgia, you know, metropolitan Atlanta, people don't always think about flood insurance because we're not next to a big body of water or in a coastal neighborhood, but flood insurance is protecting your home from any surface water coming in. So with Georgia, we get a lot of hurricane, not hurricanes, I'm sorry, tornadoes, um, heavy rains. So you often can get that heavy rain, the water kind of sits on your lawn and then it seeps through 
um, the front door into your basement, or maybe a tree falls into the pool, and then that water starts going into your um, home. So we oftentimes like to kind of put that option out to our clients, that even though you like oftentimes don't live in a flood zone where it's required to have flood insurance, it's always worth considering because it's just, it's another like good backup for that. What if kind of situation? I actually have had a similar experience to that. When I lived in Peachtree oh, yeah. City, Georgia, we had a, a tree that came down and damaged the home. And, and they asked us if, if there were, if we had flood insurance, we did not, we did not. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, the way it, it did hit the home, uh, it, it was covered under the insurance we had. But they, when they asked me, if we had flood insurance, I was like, why would we have flood insurance? I live right, in right. Georgia. <laughs> it's not some, and especially when you're not, when you're in an ex flood zone um, or a, a zone that's not considered a quote unquote flood zone, oftentimes a flood insurance, even with a private flood company, can be super affordable. We're talking like five to $700 for the year for a general like NFIP type of policy that it's covering like $250,000 of your building or your home, and then like a hundred thousand in contents. So that could still, you know, more or less cover like maybe half of your home or a third of your home for in case in if you had like a flood issue. And to think just six hundred dollars for the entire year for that coverage, it's not, it's it's not that big of an expense. So we always like to kind of put that out to our clients. Yeah, I was. I have to say, I was absolutely shocked at how much damage the water did to our home, the water itself. You know, it wasn't so much. I mean, we we had the whole roof came in. We had a, we had a tree in, in our sunroom. We had but it was the water. It wasn't that that did the most cost. I mean, most of the, the cost of the damage was, you know, from water damage. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. <laughs> and well, so let's uh, shift gears again, if you are OK with that. And, yeah. and from from work and tell us what you're doing, um, Hana, for fun when you're not working. OK. Um, I am big into CrossFit. I've probably been doing that for about 15 years. And then I also like uh, distance running. Uh, I have a training group in Dunwoody. So oh, we're called uh, the Dunwoody Galloway Group. Okay, and we cool. do interval training. So the run, walk, run method. And we usually have about 30 to 40 runners each season from paces of like uh a 16 minute mile all the way up to like a seven and a half, eight minute mile. So it's a, a big, a big range. And so I do that, meet with that group once a week. And I, I run that and create all the runs and the maps and oh, the gatherings. Awesome. And right. so that's kind of like a fun <laughs> side gig. And especially like we even ran through COVID, but it's been a great source of like, it's kind of like another support team for you, you know, whether it's emotionally, but also even like, um, in terms of networking. So I've, I've gotten a couple clients through the group or, you know, some job coaching lessons, even when I run with these different friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a fellowship of, uh, you know, like-minded people enjoying the same types of activities. I love that. Exactly. <laughs> and you actually are, you, so you organize, you, you are. Yeah. So I'm the program director for our Dunwoody group and we try I would say about half of our runners are Dunwoody based, but then we're getting people all the way from like Marietta, Kennesaw, Johns Creek, 
So we tried, we kind of put ourselves out there more, I guess, as like a North Atlanta group. Right. That we try to every single weekend, we're going to like a different part of the city, but still trying to keep the drive at around, you know, 15, 20 minutes for most of our runners. So we may uh, do something in Roswell one weekend and then in Dunwoody and then in Brookhaven. So we kind of like to hop around and it, it's a way of keeping it exciting while you're training. And we train up to the half marathon distance with our group. Oh, I love that. And I love that you yeah. encompass, you know, it. Uh, you know, you know how pro Dunwoody I am. <laughs> I love it. But I love that you also encompass, you know, um, people from other communities to join in, in that. So uh, that's that is wonderful and perfect for the good neighbor podcast, North Atlanta, that you <laughs> have people from all over North Atlanta as a part of that group. Um, well, so shifting gears again, when you're, you know, from fun to a little bit something more serious. But is there a life hardship or, or a challenge that you have faced that you can now say for having been through that experience and, and come out on the other side that you're better for that today? Yeah. I mean, I worked at, um, I was at the Marcus Jewish Community Center or the MJCCA during all of COVID. And um, being the director of membership, we were extremely cognizant of, you know, the hardships and how people kind of felt being in person. And so as soon as we opened our doors, we were definitely allowing people to be at the JCC, you know, initially it was with masks, but we had a lot of rules and that was kind of rough for some of our members. And we had to often coach people, you know, whether it was thinking about social distancing or having to wear your mask or what activities we were allowing and what we were not allowing and, and sign up systems. Those were definitely challenging to kind of communicate to the members. And I, I even remember having a um, sit down with a member that they were kind of threatening to leave or quit the JCC. And part of it was, you know, they really just wanted to play sports with their kid, like play basketball in the gym. And we had not enough times to like cater to them using the gym on their own because we were practicing social distancing. So, you know, I kind of, I listened, I made sure I was extremely empathetic. And I, I, you know, said, I agree with you. I see where you're coming from. But at the end of the day, like, we want to keep everybody safe. But we also want you to find value in your membership. So they ended up sticking around and they stayed members. But it was definitely it was probably like a 30 minute to hour long conversation, um, just kind of hearing out all their complaints and trying to figure out a way to maintain their relationship and their, you know, friendship there at the JCC. Yeah. And well, and, and that I, I know from personal experience, how difficult that can be when, especially through something like, you know, rules of, of COVID, you know, there were lots of varying differing opinion, opinions about, you know, just even the effectiveness of the mask and of, and I, and in your role there, uh, that would be extremely challenging to, to navigate through that and to, you know, appease everyone. Because you can't, I mean, you know, <laughs> as we all do, you cannot ever make everyone happy. You know, right. um, it, it's it's impossible. But, you know, when, especially when, when safety is a concern and you, you have to, 
adhere, you know, to, to certain guidelines and, um, and rules. And, um, nobody really likes to be told what they can and can't do <laughs> as adults. Well, and I think COVID, we all had to, I mean, we all had to, to make concessions of do things that, that we didn't necessarily want to do, but uh, what needed to do for the greater good of all, you know, but, um, that I, I don't envy your position of having to, to, um, to, to help people through that. But I think it says a lot to you and your people skills <laughs> that you were able to, to resolve that conflict. And I'm sure quite a few more. <laughs> well, and I think just being like in a sales role, whether it was having a retail shop or being, you know, director of membership or selling insurance at the end of the day, like I want to make sure my client has a quality product because right. if they have agreed to the to buying that product, but then they aren't finding value and they're not happy with it, they're likely to leave. And if I can't maintain that retention of that client, then the end of the day, I've wasted my time and I've wasted the client's time. So that's kind of big picture. You know, we're looking, you're always looking for new business, you know, anywhere you go, if you're in a sales job, but at the same time, that retention piece is still, you know, very important. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Um, and <laughs> long-term clients too are just your most loyal. And, and, you know, I think a, a lot of people in, in the sales industry, you know, industry, regardless of the, the, well, in the sales field, regardless of the industry, I should say rather, um, it just kind of forget that piece. They're always just looking for that next new client, the next new sale. And, you know, it really there's the, the long-term retention of your, your customers over time, you know, that really builds your, your family, so to speak. <laughs> your, so I, I applaud that. So we're kind of about to wrap up, Hannah. This has gone by so quickly. But if there's anything else that you would like your our, our listeners to know about your business, um, you want to share a thing final with us? Yeah, for sure. So I think at the at the end of the day, we um, we suggest for our clients, it's always a good idea to kind of look at your personal insurance portfolio, probably about once every three years at least. Um, to see, you know, what have has the home value increased? What you know, what's going on with the cost of goods and cost of labor? Do we need to revisit that replacement cost? Do we um, are we making sure we're covering all of our cars? You know, do we have new collections, new pieces of jewelry um, or fine art that we've accumulated in the past couple of years, but we haven't added them to our collections policy? So making sure you're kind of always doing whether it's an annual or at least just as a client looking at your overall portfolio every three years. And that's, you know, a good idea to say, okay, maybe it's time to look around again, that sort of thing. And then um, in terms of jewelry, if you're going to insure it and protect it, making sure that you do appraisals on your high value items, probably about every five years is a great idea because that kind of helps with, um, like measuring the trends, you know, whether white gold is in or certain kind of cut of diamonds or uh, that sort of thing, or custom jewelry, you know, is uh, very valuable at the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and true, uh, like it does just like, you know, your home value changes over time. So do any of your in, in, of valuable assets. So that's really good advice. Well, so Hannah, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to learn more, if they want to get in touch, what's the best way? Yeah, I would say the best way to contact me is either via phone or text. 
And you can uh, contact me at 404-947-7128. Once again, that's 404-947-7128. And that's my work phone, but we can text um, on that number as well. And then I'm also uh, very available via LinkedIn. So if you search Hannah O'Donohue, um, I should come up or you could Hannah O and, you know, put in BKS, I'm likely to come up and I'll, I usually respond to anyone within 24 hours, but I'd, I'd love to help my neighbors and family and friends in the Dunwoody Sandy Springs area. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on today. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you and I know our audience will feel the same way. So uh, it's, it's been a pleasure, Hannah. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. Thanks. Well, that's all for today's episode, Atlanta. I'm Stacey Risley with the Good Neighbor Podcast. Thanks for listening and for supporting the local businesses and nonprofits of our great community. Thanks for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast North Atlanta. To nominate your favorite local businesses to be featured on the show, go to gnpnorthatlanta.com. That's gnpnorthatlanta.com or call 470 947 7007